0: Uh, and then also speaking of launch prep, we sent out a dope PR email, which Sam was particularly proud of,
1: and just wanted to. Yeah, share. I think I peaked in terms of subject lines, uh, which we we ran some staff peak dope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> F- D- Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 243 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game Dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and
1: I'm moving air out of my mouth. I'm Sam and my back hurts.
0: And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is January 24th, 20-blendy. Before we get started, we have some great news. We're going to be swearing on this show. All the time. Hooray. So, put a smile on that face because it's happening. Also... <laughs> We'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.beescotch.net. We got a donation from Specchio who says, this is for Seth to buy a pack of Gatorade so he can power through a whole 12 lines of code next time. (laughs) (laughs) So there was an exchange in the Discord where I believe it was Specchio asked – he's like, can we have this thing happen and I was Doesn't like "He
1: just didn't know how he
0: – Yeah. I, when has he ever not? Yeah. And he was like <laughs> – He's <was> like, <laughs> it would really be nice if I could do this. And I I popped open that section of the code and I was like, oh, I mean I could just like add an if statement to that. Hmm. So it was one line. So I did. And I was like, oh my god, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: going to need some Gatorade after that. So he, he came through. Well, this is actually a funny thing. It does happen with some regularity, which is – We'll talk to Seth about something – be like, hey, like, I, you know, I don't want to bother. This actually literally happened yesterday. I was yep. working on a, a problem with the checkpoints and the cameras and level head the thing. I finally noticed after hundreds of hours of building stuff. And I was like, hey, yeah, I just probably like a huge thing. Can you try to make it work like this instead of the way it currently works? And we talked about it for maybe 30 seconds. And then I walked back to my desk and literally like a minute later. So it's like, oh, right, yeah, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> what? I've been sitting here for a year not the, having this.
0: <laughs> this is honestly what makes it, I think, so hard to. To choose where to spend your time, yeah. Well, not you the, can do infinite stuff. Not really only that, fast. but it's it's hard to even like as a person suggesting changes or requesting uh, new features or whatever. You have no concept of what would be easy or hard to oh, yeah. do, right? And so, so some things that might sound unreasonably ludicrous, or or because they might, you might be like, oh, maybe this is using some kind of like hidden. Mm-hmm hidden complicated mechanism that I don't understand. And it turns out it's an if statement. You know? Then another thing that sounds really simple, like it'd be cool if when I dragged a path node, if the item attached to it went with it. And that's a week. That's a week of <laughs> that's a week of refactoring.
2: And it you know? is more likely that a simple thing is hard. Yes. As in like that is the kind of thing that we get both that we give to each other for feedback, but also mm-hmm. that we get from outside where someone just says could you just? Which is we talked about this in mm-hmm. an episode long ago. The word just. The, huh? the word just. We said there was going to be profanity on this episode. Yeah, this man, is the
0: worst. Just is the
1: worst. It's the most profane it's word. Disgusting. There is. You disgust yeah. me. Hey, hey why, why don't keep why don't, that don't, word out your mouth?
0: Yeah, why don't we just uh, add this? Why don't we just do yeah.
2: that? <laughs> Six <laughs> months later. Oh God. <laughs> <But> another consideration. <laughs> yeah. Another consideration here too, though, is and something that that's especially when people know this when somebody knows oh yeah Seth can fix a whole bunch of stuff in, in mere seconds or minutes right mm-hmm. uh then it always begs the question of well why doesn't he just fix this like laundry list of all of the things or like or make these like l- little minor tweaks that make the game mm-hmm. a little bit better and all this kind of stuff right and it's because yeah he can do all of that but there's infinite of them yep and every time every thing we we talk about how is,
1: things move right so like you'll solve this new thing someone's like oh I just just five minute tweak here and the reality is it doesn't actually Solve anything. Well well, just moves the problem.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and honestly, fixing something only creates more demand. So because it's the Jevons paradox, right? So so if so we added a ruler to level head last week. That's a grid ruler. And you can you can turn it on in the editor settings, and it's a cool little thing where it's like it'll count how many grid spaces you've you've moved your cursor through. And so you can like use it to measure things, you can use it to count how many blocks you've placed. Mm -hmm. Um, you can also use it to see where you're at. So if you're like, oh, my level is fifty wide and I'm at twenty-five, so I'm in the middle, right? So you can now do that stuff that was literally impossible to do before. So you think, cool, problem solved. Great, do right? feature. No. This is <laughs> this is the start of a whole new set of problems. Yep. Um, because now that people can do this this thing, which is like see the ruler, they can measure blocks, whatever. Now all of a sudden, it's uh, requests for it measuring other things, you know, or measuring certain things differently, mm-hmm. or it displaying it's like how am I feeling today, ruler? Yeah, Tell me. <laughs> measure yeah. my feelings. Uh, yeah, and so <laughs> you, I I think it's a, it's an interesting lesson that we've that I personally have had to like really sort of like emotionally grapple with over the course of early access is I literally can't solve problems. No, no, you can. I can only. Ones. You have to create more. That's true. Yeah, and, and, and by solving a problem, you only make more work for yourself yeah, later. Yeah.
2: What it is, and it's and it's funny too for me from coming from the outside of having anything to do with any of the feature implementation of the game. Uh, every time Sam was out there pumped about some new thing, they got in there like, "Oh, I can't wait to get this in players' hands." And then it finally gets into players' hands. The immediately, the only thing that happens is people start asking for changes to it, and additions yep. to it, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. there's there's Every once in a while, like, there's this rare moment where someone's like, oh, thanks. This is great. This I love this. I love the this. End. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. The end. Yeah. The end. I said what I wanted uh-huh. to say. I yep. know. It's just, but, it's but just it, universally, oh, uh, why not? Why not this way? Why did yeah. you decide to do it like this? Now I, to I want to it?
0: say, like, this isn't a complaint that, no, we, that we have. It's and a actually, fact. It's, it, it is, it's just a fact. Yeah. It's a fact about... About humans is like we we generate ideas based on what is there, yeah, you get input
1: and you put output,
2: yeah, right? and so when there's a new thing there, you get new ideas that 's just yeah. how it works there's right? something that as a as a developer, whether it 's for games or anything, or just a person making creative content at all, mm-hmm. right. Uh, the moment you put your thing in front of other people, you have to be ready for that reality, right? Because the reality that we all want is when we make something awesome and somebody's really excited about the awesome thing that we made, and that's the relationship, right? Yep, that's it. But that is not the relationship that human beings have with the things that they consume at all. Yeah. Um, the thing about humans is it's never enough. It's never enough. You can enough. always think of
1: something. Well, you got yeah, that you know, hole. You know, you got, that huge you got that hole. You got that <laughs> void, in void in your soul.
2: It's just.
0: Yeah.
1: We
2: just We're all always just trying to fill our yeah. soul void. I was actually
1: somebody
0: somebody posted a video in the Discord uh, just this morning about the the mathematics of the just noticeable difference, mm. and how how if you're holding a hundred grams in your hand, like a hundred gram weight, and somebody puts a hundred and twenty gram weight in your other hand, you can tell which one's heavier. But if it's two hundred grams and two twenty, you can't tell, mm-hmm. right? So so if something is 20% more, you're like, oh, yeah, obviously. But
2: if it's 10% more, then you have no clue. It also depends on how relatively stronger two arms are. (laughs) That's
0: true. (laughs) If one of them is 20% stronger, then then it's it's going to take more. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah, But it's – yeah, people always operate on relative terms. And we talked about – like last week, we talked about how you can't tell how warm things are. You can only tell whether they are warmer or colder than your hand.
1: Um, I mean it's an important note, I think, as you're developing or making anything, which is that – the minute you put it in front of people, uh, there will be a, a large reaction that will try to direct your energies. That's just how it's going to be. Yeah. Right? And um, you got you to
2: gotta be ready to know how
1: you're going to deal with yes, it. Yes, Because it's good. It can be very good in terms of being like, oh, we actually didn't need to spend any time on X, Y, or Z because people really care about this thing. You know, it's kind of a surprise and we need to buff that up. But it's important to recognize that any feature you have in there, people are going to. When you, and you up,
0: can't right. know because if you had spent time on X, Y, or Z, then yeah. maybe that's the thing people would yep. be talking about. <laughs> um, and also, literally any of those could make it for a good game. You yeah. know.
2: But uh, from an emotional perspective of being the person you know, who made the thing, it's that you have to, you have to switch from, realize, from believing that when someone's excited, that's their show of – that they love the thing, you know, to the fact that they want it to be different yes. is actually – the marker that they're really into the thing yep. because it's important to them. They want it. They want yeah. it to be in a such a, in just like a certain way. They feel like they understand it yeah. deeply. You know? say it's
1: more like the volume of discussion about how to modify a new thing we put into Levelhead. Yeah, typically is actually the indicator of how successful a thing it is.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. Right. Yeah. Well,
0: with some exceptions. So yeah. I want to talk about. I want to talk about
1: multi-select. <laughs> yeah. Go
0: uh, for it. Well. Uh, okay. So we got multi-select into the game, and this tool is so powerful compare like so what you, what you can do is you can select any shape of thing you can select up to something like thirteen hundred or fourteen hundred blocks at a time and then copy and paste them. you can copy them you can paste them you can delete them you can drag them around um, the stuff that you had to do in the past to execute these kinds of moves um, was it was it'd be like hours of work that you could now do in a minute or a second right mm-hmm. and so the the process improvement is is Massive, And it's speeding up level building and it's a huge quality of life improvement for everybody. So, Sam, you've been building tons of levels. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 a lifesaver.
1: Yeah. Right? Well, the reality is a lot of the campaign levels, if they had – if at some point I was like, oh, god, it would just be so good if I could move literally this whole section of the level down one tile – which oftentimes, like weirdly enough, one tile makes a huge difference for like the playability of some levels. Um, and usually I would just be like, well, that's I just need to change <laughs> the rest of it, I guess, as I go to like somehow compensate yeah. for that.
0: And and the th- interesting thing about, I, I like personally, uh, I view multi-select as one of the biggest features that we've added. Uh, both in terms of how much work it took to get in and also in terms of how much it affects the the ed- level editor. Experience.
1: Yeah, I would say it is the biggest feature we've added during early access.
0: Yeah. like paint bucket was dope. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but multi select is a game changer. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, so like we put up the multi select patch, and people just started using multi select, and it, and it sort of like immediately became just like an automatic, ingrained part of the workflow of building levels mm-hmm. to the point where people saw it at the beginning, like oh, this is great, and then it was. This it's it? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right. Because no, it because true. it kind of becomes like like any of those like you never hear people talking about the paint bucket, Correct. but well, people use it
2: constantly
0: mm-hmm. as they're building
2: levels and and, I, yeah, and any one of us can sit down and think of like a thousand little ways to change both of these things. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and, and it's also the case that uh, like there are certain other things that are just that are much more annoying to work with, like the path editor, which clearly needs a bunch of updates. And so, like obviously, people are going to direct their their energies right. toward like talking about those things, but sometimes but once, once you fix those things, maybe they'll start directing them towards multi-select, possibly. But you it's know. like sometimes you get a thing in there where it's just like it's so smooth and it just does exactly what it needs to do, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like yes, well, I think it's no also, more questions. Uh, yeah, right? but <laughs> yeah.
2: they're also these are kind of conceptually simple things, right? Because like the paint bucket is like oh, it fills up a space, you know, and like yeah. multi-select, oh, you select a bunch of things, mm-hmm. right? It, it may just be that because they're also, I mean. Which true. makes them sound simple, but they to execute those is uh, is enormously challenging, yeah. right? But the but the outcome, as you perceive the experience mm-hmm. as a player, is very simple, right? And so I wonder if it's actually just because, and it's not it's not only simple, but it's also uh, not even metaphorically like other things that people have used, but literally the same thing people have access to right. in other programs, right? So that and it does exactly the same thing here as it does it just in those does other things, and so I think. I think because it's not a new thing conceptually, it's just like yeah. oh yeah, multi-select. You just select a bunch of things, right? There, people don't even think to start asking the question of because they they don't they already know what to expect and they got what they it expect. Does it. What it does. That's yeah. it.
0: It's kind of like if you know when you press enter in a word processor and it starts a new line. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's what that's <laughs> yeah, supposed right, to do. Yeah. I have <laughs> no more questions or concerns about this. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So every now and then, every now and then we go, uh, but. Yeah, so multi select is in about once every two years. I think is that about the rate. But, but <laughs> uh, then something happens <laughs> yeah. and then uh, that's it's just settled. Do like it? Um, yeah. So that's that's <laughs> in that patch. And honestly, like that was pretty much the whole patch. We had a couple of other small things, like the grid ruler and, and a couple of uh, smaller features. But almost all the time went into multi select. Worth it. Um, a lot. And before we before we go on to talk more about level head stuff, we do need to talk about the snowstorm. In the ensuing weekend, mm-hmm. and then what happened? So, for starters, there wasn't one,
1: yeah. So, the we, were, storm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we last, recorded early last Thursday, yeah, so that we could, so just in case, because Friday was supposed to be just covered in ice, Yep. Uh, nothing happened, it was totally it, fine. It did, it did in the evening, basically. Yeah, I think what happened is about, bit about bit 5 p.m.,
0: a single snowflake just kind of went <laughs> <and like laughs>
1: shot out from the
2: sky. Well, you so know, it was basically, one
1: person. it was raining all day. But it was basically 33 degrees. Yeah, so it was just fine. And so around 10, maybe like nine or 10, is when it finally got cold enough that it was freezing on stuff. Uh, but the roads were actually somehow both either salted or hot, hot enough. Yeah, the Roads are black,
2: uh, so they kind of like mm-hmm. soak up a little bit more. And, the, and the, uh, the water, and the water also just got soaked into things by the time it got cold enough yeah. to matter. And so the
1: roads were just fine. But uh, I went to a friend's birthday party, and this is where my tragedy of the weekend began. Mm-hmm. Um, at this birthday party, uh, as I was leaving, actually about 10:30. I hopped in my car, driving out of his driveway, and I'm like, this looks different than it did when I drove in. What
0: which, could is, it which is see? thanks
1: to
2: your LASIK.
1: Yes. <laughs> like I, I can see <laughs> I in front of me. I see. Yep. And what I saw was a tree that had fallen down and completely obstructed the driveway. Just it like also,
2: It was hard to see, but you somehow <laughs> saw.
1: The way that you're telling this is I'm imagining you like looking at this giant fucking tree
2: laying across the driveway and being like – Something has changed. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that something could have changed so much that the confusion becomes so deep. That's actually what that it you is. You don't even realize. I mean,
1: you've seen those videos where like, people look at something that clearly is like out, completely out of whack and there's not a lot of response immediately because there's this sort of like, just surprise. It. It. You ever yeah. see the
0: ones where somebody walks up to somebody and they'll be like, hey, I was wondering if you could like point me in the right direction. And they swap the And then they, oh, yeah, they yeah. change the person asking the question <laughs> and the the answerer has no – Oftentimes, doesn't even notice. Well, and here's yeah. the thing. I bet they notice every time. But,
2: but they the mindfuck is yeah, yeah. so
0: deep. <laughs> where you, you Like, you look up and you're like, I mean, that can't be.
2: Yeah. Well, so this I experience. Can't you're not going to say it, though, I'm right? clearly
0: misremembering. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to be like, were
1: you just a different Were person? you a
0: six-foot-eight <laughs> man with a eye? beard yeah. and now you're a five-foot-tall elderly <laughs> woman? <laughs>
1: Something has changed. Yeah. So, anyways, I drive up to the end of this driveway, very confused, realizing there's a tree in the way makes sense that's why the road stops and then uh call my friend i was like hey uh there's a tree blocking your entire driveway. i actually can't i can't go home he starts cracking up and then the whole birthday party comes outside uh you know somewhat inebriated gets a bunch of saws and things and then we just proceed to dismantle this tree in barbaric fashion hold on how many saws there were two saws okay that's it
0: okay i was like it would be weird if, it would be <laughs> weird if this friend of yours <laughs> had just enough saws just laying he's around his house. Yeah, right, right, like, right, oh, yeah, right. I got, I got thirty saws. Just, and this, this was but,
2: a, you know, like a a saw celebration party. They were party favors. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. A thi- it's a saw, it's a saw birthday. Perfect opportunity. Perfect opportunity.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so everybody pours out of the house. Uh, we start just tearing apart this tree, and I mean literally tearing it apart. So. It's coated in ice and so it weighs an extra bajillion pounds because of how those work. And so – So you got to pulverize it. Yeah. Basically people – there's two people thawing at stuff and then everyone else is just grabbing branches and just snapping them off with force. I mean
2: we've all seen movies. When you freeze things, they're really brittle. Honestly, I felt like I saw Terminator. That. That's what happened. Did you no. try just uh, like flicking it because that the Branches were a bit too large for that. No, I mean I've watched movies. Yeah, there's nitrogen.
0: no size too large to flick something and have it explode I guess the pro- frozen.
2: Yeah. I guess the problem was probably you didn't use liquid nitrogen because yeah, that's, that's the nitrogen. trick. Yeah. yeah,
1: So we, we go about uh, dismantling this entire tree. It takes like literally 10 minutes. Uh, and granted, it's freezing, pouring rain at this time, but it's a very amusing and weird thing. And so everyone's just kind of in a good mood ripping this tree apart. And I go and I uh, rip off a branch, rip off another branch, and then I try to push the tree. And it, of course, it weighs like a billion pounds. So it's not mm-hmm. going anywhere. Um So I back up and then just I'm standing there and sort of just casually reach over and pull on another branch. And I feel this weird twinge in my back. And I was like, that's not – that ain't right. Describe this twinge. One of those – what's a twinge? (laughs) What is a twinge? That's a good question. (laughs) Uh, Well, you you blew out your back
0: carrying a pressure washer. I did. But I didn't feel anything at the time. Like I just carried it and and it was fine. Mm -hmm. And then later I had like a creeping – Pain just yeah. slowly work its way across. Oh, so my actually, whole maybe bag. it wasn't
2: reaching it for that. Maybe that's just when you started to notice it. I think that's what it was.
1: I think it probably was. actually happened when I pushed on the tree. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it didn't show up until I just randomly was doing some other stuff about a minute or two later. And so my back just slowly kept on her. I was like, oh, that's not good. So I just stopped and you know, I was hanging out. Everything got cleared away. I drove home. At that moment, you're on the clock now. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. no. I need to get within, to a place. Within
0: a half an hour, you are done.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that is exactly what happened. So I got home, uh, went to bed. Woke up and basically couldn't bend. Just couldn't bend in the waist. So uh, talking about cascading failures and the, the importance of keeping all your systems clean, there's one important note here, mm-hmm. which is that my wife had to put my socks on for me. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I also had noticed that I had a chip in my toenail yeah. the day before. Didn't take care of it. It happens. It happens. I was like, whatever. I'm the one who puts on my socks when the this shit is, is on foot. here. This it's my, fine. Whatever. I can deal with that. Next day, boom. Now my wife's struggling with a size 12 sock, wrestling it over my foot while I'm just laying there <laughs> and then getting it stuck on this, on toenail, this toenail chip. <laughs> and I'm like, I have learned nothing from my DevOps <laughs> preaching.
0: It, yeah. It's not even happening. It's the case that every problem that's your problem it could become, be somebody else's problem. Yeah. In fact, it very yeah. well may be. Yeah. And it will always be
1: your future self's problem. Yeah. Who is just somebody else? It's true. You know? Do it for future you. You know, take yeah. care of those toes. Yeah. yeah. So – I convalesced basically for Saturday and Sunday. So I didn't do anything um, late on the Except day Except you did do one thing. You used Game Pass on Xbox, which we've talked about a little bit here and there. And I've, I was using it on Windows, enjoyed it a lot. Um, and then, yeah, was playing on the Xbox and you know, I was just like, what? Because there's all these games that I've wanted to play for so long. Downloaded literally all of them and then just bopped around until I found one that I absolutely loved. So I played Untitled Goose Game. I played Human Fall Flat. I played uh, Goat Simulator. There's all sorts of just goofy There's stuff.
0: a lot of games that you'd be like, I mean, I get it. It's hilarious. But uh, I'll hold on to my cash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. But well, if, the, it, if you already got it, you got it.
2: Basically yeah. every physics gimmick game. Basically yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty and much. So, but then then I ended Gang up Gang so I'd pay for that. Yeah. Gang yeah. Beast is great. Yeah. So then I ended
1: up <laughs> playing uh, Children of Morta, which I think if you like Crashlands and because, of, because of the story aspect, mm-hmm. if you like sort of what Crashlands does for crafting games, which is it puts a story on it. Um, I think you would like what Children of Morta does for hack and slash games, which is put a story on it. The story is actually the main focus and the total variety of animations and stuff is so lush and ridiculous. I'm just like, I don't even know how they had time to make a game. But so you're it's saying a, it's a fun.
0: hack and slash game that has a story that is a bit
1: deeper than – there's
2: demons. Yes. Hack then slash them. No, hack there then are slash them.
1: There are demons, but you know. Let's just, it's what you get. Yeah, they're, they're, sto- they're demons that have lives and backstories. Mm-hmm. They got mortgages. They got children to feed. Yep. You know. Speaking of demons, we actually killed Diablo
0: a little while ago. With oh our, yeah, with our hardcore mode. We, we played hardcore mode barbarians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very easy. Yeah, so it was maybe next time, Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then as far as studio news goes, so we're going to be updating our patch cycle. Let's in talk that, about that in that it is essentially going to no longer be a cycle and in fact was it ever it was for a minute there. I think for 10 weeks we did a one week patch um, which had its benefits the, the big benefit was we got real fast feedback on pretty much everything and then we were able to real fast respond to that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was during the time where we had we had a bunch of sort of like half finished things laying around that we hadn't gotten into the game yet. So we were able to just like wrap those New up, items, shoot them out. Yeah, you know? sort of stuff. Um, then we kind of hit that point where we're like, okay, we have a lot of bigger stuff that's going to take more time. So that was when we started doing like those UI rebuilds and web rebuilds and stuff. Um, and we knew that if we were on a one-week cycle, then we would like work on it Thursday, Friday, ditch it, pick up something on Monday, Tuesday to cram into the patch and release it, then go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, that's a bad move cause it really generates a lot of errors and stuff. Cause you, a lot keep, of waste. yeah, you keep like picking up a project and dropping it. So we switched to that two week cycle. Um, that was good. And then after a while we're like, shit, we have some things that are going to take three Even weeks. Time. Uh, so then we made the announcement like, okay, we're going to be switching to this. Uh, I think we, I think we said like roughly a four week cycle, but some of them were three and some of them were five. So we never actually hit the one that we said. Um, and that was good for, for a lot of those things, for getting those those big things out. And now we're kind of in this odd space where we're actually doing a lot of invisible stuff. Yes. So we're going to be continuously like fixing bugs and making small improvements to the game. We're going to be developing some new systems like a achievements UI and stuff like that. Um, but we're developing these things in a way that we should pretty much be able to, at various points, just drop a, a patch on a Wednesday um, without like abandoning the thing. As long as we view the patch as like, this is just a bug fix patch. This is just – this has some improvements in it or whatever. We're working on some other features. They're not in this one yet.
1: Yeah, so basically we're just going to be chilling out about it. I think it's the easiest way to put it. Yeah. Um, when a patch is done, we'll put it out and that's going to be how it is. Yeah.
0: Well, not only that, but but our previous approach was like, we wanted to make sure every patch was a big deal. And because of that, that forced us to be in a position where like – we kept having to drop a feature, quickly cut, like make something that is a big deal, put it in mm-hmm. the patch and get the patch out. If now we say, you know what, we're just going to patch as frequently as we can, but we're going to do it in such a way that is good for, our, good for the game and good for our sort of like project workflow. Well, it's mostly that we need to get
1: ready for a launch. Yeah. yeah. So, we are in the final stretch. Yeah. yeah. And so, so we
2: have to be – we actually need to be trying to add as few new actual features as possible Correct. because we need to rapidly get to the point where we can be submitted to cert. We can have everything – Fully localized for realsies because yep. literally every moment Seth spends touching the game code, he's adding new stuff. <laughs> so, There's almost 13,000 words in the game now. That is a lot. <laughs> well, where f- did they go? Yeah. Where are they? And we just – yeah, we just added a jillion. We put the presentations in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not, not in a
2: way that you get to experience, the yeah. listener. But, uh, well, that's, that's the other they're is, in there, is, though. That's the
0: other thing. is so, so we're developing a lot of these sort of like launch features where basically come launch, they're going to get in there for the final patch Um, and right now they're just kind of all being developed all on their own. And in the process of developing those, we're also fixing bugs and doing some other stuff. And if we hit like a a point where like on Wednesday, it's like, Hey, we fixed like 20 bugs this week while we were working on this other feature. We can just put that out. It's fine. We can just deploy that patch. It's no big Mm deal. Um, yeah, so we're going to try to get away from the big deal patch concept and just get stuff out when
2: we can. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's one of those things that's hard to appreciate uh, outside the context of, of making games and trying to make a living doing it is that launch is a spectacularly complex affair if yes. you're going to do it right. Um, there's a whole bunch of – like there's a jillion dominoes coming like from every d- direction that all have to like fall into place at the right time. And and you need to have a lot of sort of room to do that. And every time you add something new to the game, you're basically making it harder to juggle all the rest of it because you're adding uncertainty to, to the system. Uh, and not stuff, only like that. It needs to be tested. It needs to be tested. And, and be certain, everything yes. else. And so not only that, but then uh, game developers, especially indies, which are just starting out, tend to think that all I got to do, I just got to get this game out. Just like once I can get mm-hmm. there, then I'm fine, right? But if things go well – then that's when the trouble really starts, yep. right? As the game is out now, and suddenly you have, if things go well, uh, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of players who now all want you to do stuff. Do stuff. They want you to. Yeah, they want you to. They want you to change things. We want you to fix things. We want you to provide support. Yeah. So um, what's your what's your method?
1: How are you handling? Customer support tickets. Yep. If you barely scraped over the finish line, how the hell are you going to get back up and yep. continue running for the yeah, rest of your life? Now, how are you going to life. deliver
2: your inevitable, you know, Dave two patch yep. because you discover a whole bunch of edge cases that now that you don't have enough users, you actually get to see happen mm-hmm. in the wild? You know? Now, I will say there is an easy answer to this
0: question, which is crunch. This is how pretty much everybody yeah. handles it. Uh, and it's how we've done it in the past. Uh, it's how we don't want to do that anymore. Yep. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to.
2: Pre-develop systems to allow us to handle mm-hmm. all it's these novel things. concept, yeah. yeah. And So all those have an enormous cost to us in terms of just where our time has to go to develop all these things, without anything visible happening to the game, because it's all making it so that once the game is actually delivered, we can now make a new make a new content patch if we want to. Mm-hmm. We can now fix problems that come up. We can now handle the fact that we have a lot of players that we manage. We have to do a community management, moderation, and blah blah blah. It's just endless. And if we get all that done ahead of time, which nobody gets to see, it means that we get to do more for you later. You know. So I think the way to think about it is: early access
0: level head is a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Level head is now in a cocoon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So there's going to be a lot of stuff happening under the surface that you're not going to see. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is going to liquefy. Yep, it's going to turn into a soup, but it's going to remember what it was, <laughs> and-, and it's going to emerge at launch with all kinds of spectacular colors, mm-hmm. features, and wacky shit that you didn't even know was coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then it's gonna then it can then it can really go. Then mm-hmm. it can fly.
2: Mm-hmm. It can go. It can well. live on its
0: own. It can cause hurricanes on the other side of the world. Yeah. It's going to have, it's gonna have mobile touch controls. It's going to have a new, a new player experience Amazing. update. It's going to have all kinds of shit in there. Mm-hmm. You didn't even know. <laughs> and then once that's in there, we get all the players we need. We get the support we need for the game. Then it's time to start getting more content in. Yep. So we're we're cocooning. That's where we're yeah, at. That's a good mm-hmm. way I put it. All right. Uh, and then also speaking of launch prep, we sent out a dope PR email, which I was particularly proud of and just wanted to
1: Yeah, share. I think I peaked in terms of subject lines, uh, which we, we ran some staff peak dope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically the, the purpose of this one was not actually – we didn't send anybody keys. We were just letting our huge list of people know, who we haven't talked to for a while, uh, that the game is, is a pr- approaching its ready state and so everyone needs to buckle up because they're going to be getting a code sometime in the next while.
2: These are all people who actually already have sent codes, I believe, right in the past. Not all of them,
1: actually. Okay. Only a subset. And so, some of them have heard of us, heard of us during early access. Actually, a big, probably half of them have not heard of us at all. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we it was just sort of a wrap up email that was you know just talking about how cool the game is, basically. But the subject line came from a bunch of stats that Adam had done uh, on our player base, which I think we revealed some of them in one of the the last uh, twenty nineteen episodes. But it was revealed that our players have died more than three million times on each other's levels.
2: Yep. And so – Who knows how many on our levels? A lot more than
1: that because <laughs> I, think, I think we hit <laughs> that the number. Yeah, the oh, yeah. yeah. I think Probably the campaign equal. hit that number within like a, <laughs> a month or something. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so my subject line was millions dead in level head, which as far as clickbait goes – It rhymes. It's mm -hmm. sensationalist. Oh, my God. The whole And it had the highest open rate of any press email we've ever sent. It was like a 60% in like the first – More than that. In like the first hour or something. I'll, I'll get the exact figure. I think it was above 75%, which is obscene. Yeah. So it really normally
0: it's sense. like a week later we're looking at like a oh, five.
2: Shit. We did <laughs> we did check to make sure that no disaster had occurred in the world I did. Right yes. before setting it up because And we then we
0: crossed our fingers and hoped that no disaster was happening right yeah. now yep.
2: as we were sending it. Yep. It's always a risky run with the
1: sensationalist, especially because disasters are
2: happening all the time. They really are. They
1: just won't stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it's kind of upsetting that you have to check and see if millions have died yeah. in the last week. Before. If millions died, and I didn't hear about it. <laughs> let me let me quickly just right. check. Why is that a thing? What?
0: <laughs> Good question. The world is wacky. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're we're just kind of cruising on that. We're cocooning. Uh, so we may actually have a patch out on Wednesday. I don't know. I mean, wow. it may have like three bug fixes. Who knows? But who gives a shit? We'll just put it out. It's fine. Mm-hmm. No big deal. It's fine. Um, all right, and then industry news. We got two quick things to talk about. One, Rocket League. They dropped support for Mac. They're Fascinating. Just, they're just and like Linux.
2: and Linux. They're just like we're over it now. It's done. Yeah, and their, their their rationale was it was very vague. They didn't really explain why the 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 short of it was that they they want to be able to introduce some new unknown, undiscussed features mm. that uh, they cannot sort of see how to do and support on Mac and Linux, um, and which I assume means they're going to be integrating with some with some Epic mm. uh, platform yeah, stuff Epic. now that Epic owns the game um, and that Epic hasn't actually is only developing those things for windows mm, um, is my, is my bet. And so they're basically saying, well, we could now have like two different versions of the game, right? Or we right. can basically just completely roll back uh, online support for those things. So, so they're going to release a final patch that just patches out online multiplayer and they're going to allow refunds, but, uh, but it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a big deal. And I was looking at this because then the people hmm. that were reporting about this, were also talking about prior instances of it. The really big other one was rust. Um, oh, from by the Gary's mod guy, yeah. uh, and so he dropped. I think he saw his Mac support. We dropped Linux support. Um, and so it was that Mac is two point five percent of yeah. So Mac, if you look users. at Steam's most recent, because they do a hardware survey, I think every month. Yeah. Um, so if you look at uh, December, um, two and a half percent of Steam users are on Mac. Um, percent are on Linux. Mm-hmm. Right, and so then the question here else is, is if you can get.
0: Almost ninety seven percent of the player base. Yep. With one third of the
1: platforms. Yes. Support. Which again, as the complexity of your game goes up, that, that is that, a tremendous that support cost. Is very expensive. That porting
0: as we are seeing as yes. we're por- getting level head on all these other platforms, it's it's a lot. Yeah. And it's it's even simple shit that you don't think about like like how they handle a controller. Yep. yep. Like, oh well what if it's what if it's Y flipped? On one platform. Then it's like, okay, we got to go into code and make sure that our controller accounts for the fact that this mm-hmm. platform Y-flips. Then it's like, oh, no, no. It turns out that that, that kind of platform only Y-flips these brands of controller. <laughs> yeah. So you basically find yeah. these like thousands of tiny weird
2: edge cases that you just don't think about. And it's um, and it's basically all to do with input-output. So it's like also there's all this resolution. Oh, yes. Yeah. The screen like, display, yeah.
0: like uh, getting things to work on full screen versus not. And yeah, are we even
1: putting a little head on Mac? We, that was it? the
0: plan. So we've been we've been working on it on Mac, and we've been, been we've been deploying it and to. testing it and doing all this stuff. And there are so many uh, things that we just can't seem to resolve to make it a good mm-hmm. experience to match what we have on Windows, um, which isn't isn't necessarily a Mac problem. It's very likely some combo of like game maker Mac. Uh, yeah, but you it's never
2: to... really a platform problem, right? So it's, it's always because platforms are just different. That's their whole yeah. fucking thing, right? Yeah. Uh, it's that. In order to handle those differences, because not, there's not something like there's not something wrong with Mac. It's just that Mac has almost zero market share, mm-hmm. and so you have to decide, given all the things that are different yeah. about Mac, uh, do I want to to do I want to basically pay the enormous development cost? Because like the fact is, it would cost us uh, if you t- if you look at all the cumulative time that it takes, um, and just like mm-hmm. just like raw raw time like dollars like us. Paying year. wages kind of a thing. We're talking tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, to put it on Mac. To put it on Mac. Um, and and now this is coming for this like tiny, tiny fraction of, of the audience, right? On mm-hmm. one
0: of our platforms. On one of our platforms. One of our many platforms we're launching on, right? Yeah. doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. So yeah. so basically, be, yeah, you're, you're talking uh, spending weeks and weeks of work, testing, whatever, to potentially boost your player numbers by like a fraction of a percent overall.
1: Yeah. If, if – even in, a fraction. Again, more importantly, increase the complexity of delivering any future patches yeah, to makes actually the majority of your players. Yeah, right? yeah. so, so
0: I, mean, I think yeah. So we're we're actually like after this came, out, we're like, hmm, maybe we should take a second look at our, <laughs> yeah. at our Mac plan because it's also the case that you know if our goal is we want this game to be available just about everywhere, and so the idea should be like if you're a person operating like in a as in a as a gamer, meaning mm-hmm. like you play games. Um, then chances are you're gonna have one of the kinds of screens that this game is on. Yeah, you'll have a smartphone, you'll have a Nintendo Switch, you'll have an Xbox, you'll have a PC potentially.
2: Um, so like it, you'll have something mm-hmm. that we can that we can get it to you on. Yeah, so. and it is a little bit of a bummer because there's there so many people I know who actually just have Macs, right? But it's weird because then you look at the numbers on like Steam, and it almost it's almost none of those people. So when it comes to the actual market that yeah. we're putting the game into. Um, that's just the, the numbers aren't there. Um, but I thought, I thought that, uh, what is this? Is it Gary Newman? Is that what his name is? The, yes, the, the Russ Ruska. guy. Yeah. Um, they actually, he, he approached it in a really interesting way. Yeah. Um, because for the the whole time that they had been producing this Linux version, they basically said they were doing it because they thought it was the right thing to do, which is that they wanted to support open source. They believed that that was important. It's like uh, a, spending a bunch of money on a charitable donation. Exactly. It's yeah, like we supporting this community exactly. by spending yep. a bunch of our time and money. They wanted to serve that community and, and the whole thing. And they the, the, they was framed that way the whole time. So they were always basically saying, look, we're just losing money on Linux. That's just hmm. what is happening. Um, but at some point it became just so costly that they couldn't really – they just couldn't just fight anymore. In particular, because all like the the anti cheat features and that kind of stuff, just like yeah, yeah. you can't do on that platform, without like a, you can't do without having to invent one yourself. Again, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> so then, uh, so it was like becoming a, a cheater haven. You know, that like of mm. like, people that were then coming from Linux were the ones responsible for too much cheating. Like there's all this stuff. <laughs> they were just like they were just like we don't want to. We just can't do this anymore. And so, so they basically put out a statement saying we're going to pull support. Um, for for Linux, and they basically were very apologetic about it, and they said, you know, we just we just can't afford to support this, but uh, they're going to do refunds for basically for anybody who just has played the game on Linux. So they were, and at the time, Steam couldn't do something like that. So apparently, they were working with Steam because it's Gary Newman, and he's made that platform a billion dollars, <laughs> uh, and to to have a mechanism where if they could just tell if you had ever played the game on Linux, right, in their recorded history, and so he put out a note. He's like, everybody, make sure you if you're going to play if you want that refund, make sure you boot the game up on Linux just in case it hasn't been recorded yet. Right. right? Uh, Or it's like the last time was too long ago. And he's like, and even he's, he's, he encouraged people that even if you were actually satisfied, like you played the game, you feel like you got your money's worth, you should still ask for a refund anyway, and then use that to go buy a game that's fully supported on Linux.
0: Cause the idea of being, yeah, he's like, he's like, Mm -hmm. we
2: we do want to support that ecosystem. It's just, it's just, is becoming too unreasonable. Well, this is, this is where that
0: crossroads comes from uh, being a, being a business yeah, or like operating like a business versus operating as like an artist or, yep. you know, whatever.
2: Yeah. Um, cause I want, like I want the game on Linux cause I want to play it on my own Linux machine, you know, Like and and, and yeah, I, that would be cool. Yeah. And I have friends who only have Macs at home and I want mm-hmm. them to play this game that we made. Right. Uh, but from a business perspective, it just, it becomes harder and harder numbers, to justify. Yeah. The numbers always have
0: to add up. If you, if you push against the numbers and you're not in a position to do it, then you will, the numbers will win. <laughs> yeah. They just are what they are. Yeah. So uh, let's also talk
1: about Temtem.
0: Yeah. What's Temtem? I don't Tem-Tem's know. Temtem. blown up.
1: Temtem. It's a Pokemon MMO that's on Steam. It's not Pokemon. It's, it's basically Pokemon. It's a Pokemon
2: clone. Pokemon.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it, we'll, it, we'll say Pokemon inspired. I'm going to call it yeah. But it isn't a Pokemon game. Not like no, from It's that, not,
0: not, not branded,
1: branded as yeah. Pokemon. Uh, so it's called Temtem. It was actually kickstarted, I think, a year ago, maybe two years ago. Um, I think I remember seeing a video a clip much. a long time ago. Yeah, so they basically people have these cards instead of you know pokeballs. They have these cards that you catch a creature in. Uh, You throw them out, and it's like two v uh, two on two battles and stuff like that. Uh, And apparently, it's very very good. It's been blown up on Steam, and the fact that it, of course, is MMO Pokemon. Everyone's like, yes, we've always wanted this for one, Um, and two. Apparently, they did a few tweaks to the battle system to make it much more intense in the sense like you have to be playing on purpose in order to win. Mm. Instead of does it
0: have raids? I mean, no. it's
1: MMO, so it's got a – It should. It's got it raid boss. It's early access. 40-person
0: so, Pokemon raid boss It's going to be – Yeah. I imagine like 40 people standing in a semicircle, all throwing their Pokemon out and then doing like one turn after That's that. actually how it works <laughs> in the
1: Pokemon Sword and Shield because they have raids in there.
0: Oh, OK. Yeah, but there's just four people. Everybody around. just takes turns. So the boss just stands there just getting the is, shit kicked out well, of it. Well, it's also or, gigantic
1: though. It's like a Godzilla creature basically. Sure. And then it's four people taking turns beating on it, which nice. is kind of weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, it's blown up and it's been really cool to see um, – to see a game like that, I think we've been talking about like what what do you you know, what makes a game really successful in that sort of and that with that level of standout? I think they had their peak concurrent players on day two was like thirty thousand, thirty five thousand. Wild. Insane. It's, it's a thirty five dollar game. Like it's not a free-to-play game. Yeah, it's great. Wild. And so clearly it's just like exploding. And so it's one of those questions which is like, okay, so whenever you see one of these, kinda of like Sardew Valley, um, basically it's a game that's riffing on an existing game that is somehow filling a need, right? Um and I think the idea of MMO Pokemon has I mean like people who say that to someone yeah. I'm like yes yeah that's all you need give me um, I think ever
0: since uh World of Warcraft entered the public consciousness and like that kind of took over in the mid 2000s um the dialogue around pretty much every major franchise is like I want an MMO of this yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. and Pokemon was no exception like oh, that yeah. was a huge ask back then and yeah. I don't think you I don't I don't know I mean I, I never say never but like based on on what we've seen from the uh what was it the Pokemon company is that what mm-hmm. they just called themselves yeah. now uh, there's not much to indicate that they would want to go down that road, but yeah, they haven't
2: invested in that kind of online.
0: Yeah, but maybe aspects. after seeing this, maybe they'd be like, "Oh shit,
1: yeah,
2: I guess, yeah, guess we got to do it." But it's uh, it's been fascinating to watch, so
1: we'll, we'll just keep an eye on it. But it's uh, something to check out. At least go see the uh, little trailer they did, like an anime trailer mm-hmm. for it, which is super fun. So very cute, and again, it looks it does look very much like
2: Pokemon. You know, I think so. Pokemon is kind of like Star Wars in that. There is no amount of of content that could be made for that franchise Correct. that would be too much for, for the audience. Hundred <laughs> percent lunch boxes, underpants, just MMOs, mm-hmm. ten games Toys, a year. It's all hats. Probably, yeah, yeah. I think I think really it's the that Pokemon as a franchise is is has, has sort of created a scarcity that might be a little too scarce because right. now other people. Uh, are actually capable of filling it. Right. Yeah. Mm, um yeah. unlike Star Wars, which is like it's filling it fills those holes constantly, right? Yeah. There's 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 never a moment where there isn't some new Star Wars thing available that you can go, you know, get your hands yeah, on. Yeah, you don't you don't see very many other people being
0: like, I made a movie about Space Wizards too, and it's slightly <laughs> different in yeah, its own it's, way. It <laughs> Flock to that movie yeah. or whatever. Um okay well that's interesting. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see where, we'll we where that goes. I uh, let's get on some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bsk net highest voted question. Comes from Mimibip Gorky, who says, Do you set limits on how long you can spend cleaning code? I just spent an entire week refactoring four weeks worth of code, and now I feel bad about making no progress.
1: Mm.
2: Well, Adam has opinions about this. I do have opinions about this. The first thing is that, Progress is not measured by lines of code created. If anything, it should be measured by lines of code deleted. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> what's so, the joke? There's one button on your keyboard that can make any code better. Yeah. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think so. There's a there's a framing problem here, which is uh, which is thinking of this is the whole idea of also that features are the thing that matters. right? Yes. Um, it's well, this is the state we're in with Levelhead, yeah. Which is like we features are the things that you sell to people, right? But in order to sell that feature, you have to be able to support it. You have to be able to deliver it. To be able to deliver, and deliver maintain it. it, yeah. And so all that behind the scenes stuff is is it. It doesn't make any sense to say it's like just as important as or more important. It's just it's required also, yes. right? You need the feature and you need all the support underneath it. It's part of the work. Is the important? It's part of the work. Yeah. It's not. It's not something that you just get to also do if you have time, right? Because if you treat it that way, then. The end result would have been instead that, yeah, you spent this four weeks writing this code, and then you spent the next four weeks writing some other code, except that it took you four weeks instead of the two it would have taken otherwise mm-hmm. because you didn't spend that week refactoring things to make it easier to work with. Well, right? this is just
0: like off of our production conversation from two two episodes ago, I think. Uh, we we're talking about Blendy Fridays and mm-hmm. about, about how you just don't – you can never fully appreciate just how much you're being hit by the waste of having things – set up badly yep. having bad yeah. processes having mm-hmm. awkward code that's hard to work in yep like you have no idea what kinds of features you wouldn't have been able to add to your game had you mm-hmm. not refactored yeah.
2: that but the uh, thing to the thing to worry about with refactoring is basically the premature refactoring yes because here's the thing if you were to refactor the same code now versus like five weeks from now uh, you would end up doing it differently because the needs of the entire ecosystem at that point would be different right, right? and so this is the same problem with premature optimization like i would just i would cuz i think i think of refactoring and like having processes is just as optimization problems in mm-hmm. the same way that having good optimized code is and so if you do that too early you you're going to end up having solved the wrong problem which is just yeah. another form of waste and so what i do for refactoring is i don't just go say like i'm going to go refactor rumpus right first arbitra- of all early. Yeah, arbitra- <laughs> yeah first of all there's so many lines of code in there cuz i've been working on it for two and a half years now or whatever uh, that that is a uh, that is a crazy thing to even try to do, right? But I do decide sometimes. Oh, I'm going to add another layer of of. And even actually, just last week, I added another layer to my type checking. And because the whole the entirety of of uh, Rumpus is is built in in Node, which is just JavaScript, and that's all loosey goose. You can do whatever you want, right? And so I've been slowly over time adding new requirements, which I just add with with external tools that now just underline more things. And they're like, "Are you sure you meant to do this?" You know. Mm-hmm. So you just uh, clean it up as you go. Yeah, but it basically made it so that now, like, the entirety of my project is not basically now underlined in red, right? Like, as in every file I open, there's anywhere between 10 and 50 lines of code that are, wrong. That are now, quote-unquote, wrong, right? right? Uh, which basically just means really, things just, that I should go – loose. I just need to clean them up. Yeah. I just need to annotate them better or whatever. Um, but I don't, I'm not going through and doing the entire project, right?
1: No, I think, again, it's, it should be based on what, what, what your next are you next working on right is. now? Exactly. Yeah. So, so you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to improve this next feature of the game. Yeah. Uh, what systems would that – would that warrant a, a refactor on yeah. and then do that as opposed yeah. to just be like arbitrarily being like, I'm going to go clean the whole code base because who gives yep. – you know, like, most, so, so
2: most code you probably don't
1: actually need to clean. That's no, because end, if you're not –
2: it's working. Yeah. yeah, if it's working for now and you're not going to touch it, you basically wait – you need just in time. Yes. You need just in time refactoring, right? Use so a pull system. Use a yep. pull system. When you need the thing, refactor it. So what I what I do is basically that if I go into old code that I need to go work on now, the first thing I do is refactor it just enough that I can tell what the hell is going on, right? So if you, yeah, if the first thing that
0: happens is you open it and you start squinting at it, and you're like, yeah. what? Like that tree to the me. Like, what? Do <laughs> what? But, yeah. but,
2: not, but don't go whole hog into it, right? Because there's a pretty good chance since you're in that code anyway that you're going to end up having to replace something, like add, add some new functions, like just like gut something, who knows? And so if you spend five hours refactoring it first, and they're like, okay, now I'm going to go do what I came here to do, turns out you just deleted that entire thing and that was pointless yep. right so so that the way that I think kind of think about it is is only focus on the stuff that you need to be focusing on refactor just enough to make sure that you can easily work with it so mm-hmm. you can understand what's happening in order to do in order to do whatever the work is that needs to be done yeah and it's only in extreme cases where you should like truly deeply refactor the thing and just and that's basically it actually happened to me yesterday because <laughs> I was working on a system that was supposed to be easy and discovered that uh, every time I made a change that I thought was going to work. The The surrounding system was so nightmarish that it didn't work. It. And so, so yeah. So sometimes you run into that and then it's time to actually truly deeply yeah. refactor. But yeah, you need to be careful with it. This is why, this is why it's called spaghetti code. Because every line of
0: code is a noodle that's tangled up in a bunch of other noodles. Yep. And you can't just like, you can't get a noodle out of there without, like without, touching, all the without touching all the other noodles. Without touching all the other
2: noodles. They're all like mixed up in there. Yep. And plus it's got sauce all over it. Oh, and what's God. that meatball? Well, you also in don't want to, before you sit down to eat your spaghetti, you don't want to like pull out every noodle and line them up next to each other to get them no. all separated, right? Because. Mm-hmm. Then you don't get to eat your spaghetti. Now no. you're eating a, a raft yeah. made of noodles. <laughs> but this is why when you go into like – because when you go in to eat your spaghetti, what you do is you stick a fork in there and you kind of pull it up to kind of get just a few noodles. Yep. And then you roll them up to separate them. You just separate the ones that you need. you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I think the problem with the spaghetti code
0: metaphor is it describes what it looks like but functionally it doesn't make any sense because yeah. you want spaghetti to be in like a big blob.
1: Yeah, That's you know? true.
0: That's how you get it in your mouth good. Mm-hmm. But if it's, <laughs> if it's one noodle after the other in a nice, neat row, that's fucking weird. Yeah. You know, get, that, get that weird creep spaghetti <laughs> off of my plate. <laughs> creep
2: spaghetti.
0: All right. Next question comes from Chalosis. What fraction of features you implement end up not being fun and get cut? That's a very few. We don't really cut features so much as just iterate them into the – Correct. We, so we think of fun as being a balance problem generally, yeah. Right, So like we have an enemy called the Canoodle, the level head. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been cut. It's still in there. <laughs>
2: it is in there. But it's not in there in a way that you can
0: experience. You can't, yeah, you can't
2: get
1: it.
0: It's, it's way it. too hard.
1: I could put it in there. but I won't.
0: Yeah. Sam could put it in the campaign levels if he wants to. It's just in a moment. Um, and it. it fully works. Uh, but what it does is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it It's basically like an armored uh, ball that has tentacle arms kind of sticking out of the side. And – when it sees you, it whips its tentacle arms back and it slaps the ground, hurling itself at you at, like, light speed. So it, it sort of, like, body slams you. Mm-hmm. And then at the if end— If you survive. And if you don't get killed by that, then at the end of its body slam, its back opens up, a cannon emerges, and then it shoots out a series of projectiles and arcs uh,
1: in a sequence.
0: Oh, so,
2: yeah. I remember fighting this thing all the yeah, time so like, yeah, cannon a cannon pops out and it'll
0: just be like, choo, 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 choo. And it can shoot— Five of them.
2: So like that. They're, whole, not, they're not homing at least. They're not homing, but but they do it cover. Will be. Yeah, they they do area of effect that covers like, every, of that covers like every, the entire stretch in uh-huh. front of it. For yeah, and so and it. so as those and things. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the whole area is destroyed, and you can't jump on it because guess where those projectiles are come out are coming out of the top. Yep. Yep. So if you try to jump on it, you die. If you touch it from the sides, you also die. And if you're standing nearby, you're dead. <laughs> so <laughs> – so you, it could be argued could be. Some would say that this enemy is, is not too common. hard. <laughs> it's not fun. That doesn't mean that the concept isn't fun. Right. Uh like what if what if we removed the the ground slap and the sequence of cannonball things and it was just like it would just walk around and Sometimes it would shoot something. And it would just like, yeah, just shoot one thing straight up mm-hmm. instead of completely covering the entire fucking area like a nuclear bomb, mm-hmm. you know? Then you know, maybe we could work with that. Because now, like, you'd see the cannon open up as you're about to jump on it. You're like, oh, shit. And then you got to, like, juke out of the way and then mm-hmm. time it out.
1: What's an interesting point about uh, about batch delivery here? Because, actually, we made we made the enemies all at once. Yeah. It's an important note. Um, and the the weirdest thing about working on Levelhead over the course of the last two years has been feeling out the evolution of the game uh, in terms of what it feels like it's best to be in terms of a, a playing play style. And the reality is that the, the enemies all came online basically all at once, back to back to back. And also actually early on, so probably like what months eight through.
0: Before we had 12? The grappler. We had period. most so, all all you, also them for the grappler? Yeah. Okay, so the first six months. where all all you could do is jump on stuff, and then we had push blocks that you could like slide on the ground, but the grappler was not part of the game at all. That didn't exist.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So the the crazy thing about that is that the conception of the game at the time was also very different. And so these enemies, most of them are that we the reason we add, for example, the uh, the scrub and the ocula. Is because we realized that actually the enemies that we made tend to feel much more like bosses by default. Even just the little one, like a a flip whip, will just murder you. It will just come up and just rip your face
2: off. Even the Vakrats, because of their acceleration, are weirdly hard to
1: land on. Yeah, Vakrats go flying all over. It's it's crazy. And so we realized, okay, so we actually pushed it too far in a lot of ways for this initial batch of enemies. Well,
0: and we pushed it where we wanted, which was our design philosophy at the time, was enemies should try to stop
2: you. Yeah, Right. So, like, and they should be interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. so we were, we were looking at – Those are
2: literally the two requirements. Yeah,
0: so we were looking at how a lot of other platformers uh, handle their enemies and a lot of them are basically just these kind of like boring-ass mundane thing that you – you literally just like
2: murder it on your way by. Mm-hmm. We were kind of using Hollow Knight as inspiration in terms of – like yes. the enemies are all – they're just really interesting. They just do – they do – and they don't do very much but they just do a couple things. Yeah. And of
1: course we've – like we made Crashlands, right? So every creature in Crashlands yeah. had its own unique – Attack style, it does a couple, of a couple of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so so that that was our original
1: thinking. But Seemed like a good idea.
0: Yeah, but it, but it is the case like that does create a gap, which is like maybe maybe every enemy, <laughs> not
1: every enemy has to be completely murderous. Yes. So this is actually like, this is something I definitely want to address uh, once we get out of launch, which is like maybe a first update or something. I add a few more of these sort of yeah more some, demos, basically. Yeah, get some more yeah,
0: enemies okay. in there. Get some more like you, and you could have like a you know flying enemy that just like drops stuff. Yeah, like that's. It's fine. The, it's fine. It's yeah. easy. It's
1: simple. Uh, you know, it's like a blop flush basically. Yep, but before we were like, oh, that's that's not enough. It needs to drop <laughs> something. And then morphs into a turret and then starts shooting you no matter where <laughs> yeah. you are.
0: Which to our credit, we did we did put the blot flush in as a baseline enemy, yeah. which is mm-hmm. is the staple like demo. It just it goes back and forth. Doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> doesn't yep. care whether you're there. Doesn't care whether you're not there. Nope. It's just having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so instead of cutting features, it's more about just, just tweak it, rework it, find yeah. that, find that balance. There's a place for the concept, but maybe you just got to adjust. Yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Maximilio. Seems like absurdism is a big part of the theme and story for much of the butterscotch IPs.
2: I take offense to. This. And I know that you all take. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I know That's that you serious. all take
0: inspiration from the uh, similar the behemoth. I guess it also helps with the design philosophy of not worrying about making things perfect and mostly just producing content quickly. Do you have any ideas about more serious topics and or themes that you would like to explore in future games? And what would those be? And what do you like so much about goofy absurdity?
1: Hmm. I think the reality is that we we want to be exploring serious topics just through a lens that is extremely engaging and fun to be around. So even in Crashlands, I mean, the main theme and the idea of Crashlands is that you're just a person. You're just you're literally a trucker. You're not like a you're not a galactic hero. You're you're just a trucker. You're just trying to do your damn job. You're just trying to package. do your damn job. And yeah. like I think that that was that's literally the core theme and the idea of that was how far could you push someone um who's just doing quote unquote like a normal job to become something absolutely ridiculous just by virtue of circumstance, right? Um and so I the reality is I think we we do try to tackle some of these broader themes. Um in the case of Levelhead, you know, we're the story's not in yet, but it is done. So um, I think the thing there is one, of course, always making fun of just corporate bureaucracies. a very good time. Yes, um, we of,
0: yeah we get some really good <laughs> we get some good shit in there.
1: <laughs> uh, just sort of the, the hollowing out of of the soul that it causes, I think, is uh, is
0: it's yeah, it's turning everything into a number. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, there's, we have such a great line in there that I would love to repeat, but I don't want to spoil it, it, but it's so fucking funny.
1: <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's plenty of stuff in there. And then on top of that with, with level had a big part of the idea was, you know, how do you, how do you build a, uh, in, in the case of the story, uh, how do you build a theme that tries to make it good and okay for people to basically explore it and, and be their creative self in this sort of corporate environment, right? Um,
2: which really what, Kind of comes down to at the end of the day, but also outside of the story, uh, I think I, don't know, I think it's a, it's important to think of what the impact that a game has, uh, just as because of what it is, right? Um, and so that can be because of the story. So the story tells itself in a certain way that evokes certain kinds of mm-hmm. uh, feelings or thoughts about the world or whatever. Uh, that's one way to do it. But another way is to design an experience that that causes. So in our case, it's, it's we're trying to we're trying to cause certain kinds of interactions between other human beings, right? Correct. We want to create a social tool that allows people to interact exclusively positively. Like that's that's the, that is the honest goal that we mm-hmm. have with Levelhead, and and we have this challenge here, which is how do you make something where people get to, get to interact, just period, where they can go in there and they just they're just and they gonna get to have have just a to have time. a good time, right? Uh, because that is not a design principle that uh, that you see in almost any online content of any mm-hmm. sort anywhere um, in games, but just also just anywhere. And that was a hard requirement for us because you know we we want to be able to make things that that do not make the world a worse place than it <laughs> is, but, and and but even more than that, ideally that that truly make social interactions better and and give people avenues to express themselves and that kind of thing. And I don't think you need I don't think you need a story to do that. No, you at all. And I don't think you even need. And I think the the fun thing about the 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 absurdism and the glee and all that kind of stuff is that it provides the setting. Where we can force people because of the setting to not take themselves too seriously, yes. because the context doesn't take itself too seriously, yeah. and we can use that to elevate the overall mood, right, mm-hmm. and and social interaction that people end up having.
1: Yeah. A big part of levelhead, I mean, the the core design goal with it, uh, beyond all the, so on the social side, is of course delivering this this ubiquitous positive experience. Mm-hmm. But on the on the play side, uh, is to really assist people in recognizing that they can. For example, design video games. Essentially, what this is, yeah. right? It is literally a mass. It is a mass education tool for teaching to unlock people's potential for designing their own stuff. Um, and it's the, the reason that, that absurdity is so powerful is exactly what you said, Adam, which is that it 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 removes the feeling that this is serious business. Yeah, because you can mess up. It's you fine. can mess up, and it doesn't fucking matter because yep. the tooltips are dumb, the creatures are goofy, the GRT is always smiling at you, like everything's just fine. Everything's and could, fine. Everything's do, fine in level hair. Everything's fine, yeah. and you could go in there and explore and do whatever you want. So that's like as far as the, the angle we're exploring here. I, you know, I think um, it's really the fact that the the absurdity allows you to enter a more open minded play state with regard to whatever it is that we want to throw at you. So I think that's yeah. sort of why it's our tool in our toolkit.
2: Yeah, well, I think it actually this is how our studio operates, which you can tell through the podcast, but you can tell yeah. through through the email Sam talked about sending earlier. You can mm-hmm. tell through all the stuff that we do that we present the studio in exactly that same way as well, right? Where we're externally, everything that we present is all about fun and not taking ourselves seriously, right? If you were to come in and work like in the studio, you would see that we're buckled down, like everyone's working our asses off all the time. And not not in a way that's like that we don't like, but mm-hmm. but we're very serious about the work. We just don't take our and we're actually and I guess we take ourselves seriously as a company without being serious about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, which is very confusing to, to people. It's kind of that extra
0: layer of like, you can, you can care about what you do and also be
1: willing to make fun of it.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, we're literally find the humor and the jokes and
1: and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Everyone's cracking jokes all the time.
1: Yeah. In the office. Like
2: it it allows for that space though, where now we, we actually all get to take our work really seriously. We get to make mistakes. We get to do all the things. Yeah. Yeah. We get to do all the things that, that, uh, that you know modern companies are touting, you need the ability to do. You need the ability to you need the ability to fail fast and to give people mm-hmm. trust and all this kind of stuff. Use psychological safety as yeah, a team you so and, People and can do you, weird stuff. Right, exactly. If you catch all of that in absurdism and humor, then it actually gives people the space to have all of that because they actually because the the context makes it feel like that's all true, right? Like yeah. they can have that. And that while well, we wouldn't encourage somebody to to like just fuck something up for no reason. It's now the, the understanding is there that if I do shit, I better go tell somebody so we can get this fixed right. and nobody's going to be in trouble and it's, and it's fine. Right. Um, yeah. So I think there's, it's kind of like how sci-fi is how people hide an enormous amount of conversation about yes. how fucked up the world is today. Right. 100%. Uh, and I think we use absurdism in the same way, which is or not, not specifically that way, but it's the same idea of like, we actually use that, as a vehicle to to manage things that are otherwise just more difficult to do, just takes mm-hmm. the edge off. Takes the edge off. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think you can also you can if you look deep enough, you can pull a lesson out of pretty much anything. Yeah, right. And I think um, one of the one of the things, like Sam said, that we that we always hit on is this uh, this epic and this idea of like epic and fantastical things being driven by absolutely mundane mundane principles, yep, right? Yep. And so, I mean, in Levelhead you're just a nameless employee. You're an employee. Now, now think through the chain of events though, which is like, okay, we've been shipping stuff across across the galaxy, it's too slow, right? Mm-hmm. We need to we need to ship things faster. So we're just going to shoot packages at the speed of light uh, at our customers. But we can't shoot it right at our customers because <laughs> they they'll die. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll shoot it near our customers. OK, problem is it's just bad form to not get the package to them, mm-hmm. right? Like they need it. They want it on their doorstep. So we got the – all right, we'll make some robots do it. Oh, OK, the robots are too dumb. Uh, <laughs> I guess what we'll do is – Develop this entire program where we have uh, people sign up to then develop elaborate obstacle courses with a whole fucking ecosystem around Mm -hmm. this thing uh, and build an infinite number of ways to train these robots so that we can finally put that robot into a cannon and shoot it at the speed of light as well. (laughs) Uh right? And so the the whole problem we're trying to solve here is like really nice if we could get our packages to our customers slightly faster and then this entire chain of events sort of unravels out of it. Um, and, and that's what – I mean that's, that's what you see in crash-ins. That's like what Flop Rocket. Mm-hmm. Flop Rocket, the premise was, hey, we wanted to start a space program with the Bureau of Science. We we'll want to start a space program but the only affordable real estate we could get for our launch pad <laughs> was five kilometers deep inside of the middle of an asteroid. Yep. Real estate is very expensive in, in, in space. In, Scott Juniors. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, yeah, in, in space – Space real, is mostly nothing, so well, land is very expensive. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> what? They, and also what they say is like, you know, location is everything. Yeah. And so, some locations in space are very good and some are
2: really bad. Yeah, Being right. five kilometers inside of an asteroid is not the best. It's not. And also state. like, where
0: is that asteroid? Because if it's real far away, then yep. it's real cheap, right? But and the nice so, thing is
2: once you get into space, you can just go anywhere. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like – of course – you're, you're just flying your rocket. you have a great time. Every time you fly your rocket, a little person flies out of it. You don't think much about it. You fly your rocket <laughs> around. Fly your rocket. Finally, you get good enough and you build up enough investment and shit. But you get, you get to space. And then at the end, we rack up showing how many people you killed. <laughs> <laughs> Heroes lost. Heroes lost, right? Like we rack up the number of how many people you sacrificed – to get that one person to space yes, they they still get screen screenshots. cost
2: of progress it, people still send it's screenshots. an emotional yeah.
0: moment it is yeah the little rocket flies out here's lost it racks up it's usually in the five or six hundreds and uh-huh, uh-huh. uh, then it's like successful launches bling one mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, as,
2: and, you're just, and you're drifting off into just empty space yep.
0: yeah yep. and like what was the point of that like yep. we're just
2: we're out of fuel
0: <laughs> we're just floating out in space but it's this it's this heroic moment because like you achieved this huge thing and you threw hundreds of people to their deaths you know um but it's all like another fault Rocket. But does. it's all kind yeah. of couched in this like goofy the whole point, like what was even the point of it? There was no point. Yeah. Uh and then and then we kind of like we pull references and threads back to that. So like if you go into the asteroid tunnels biome in in Levelhead, that's actually meant to be like the inside of that of mm-hmm. that asteroid. Like it's why it's purple. Um and like s- some aspects of it were inspired by like how the space ducks look and things like that. And then Uh, That's also why one of the song tracks is named "Heroes Lost" (laughs) in the Asteroid Tunnels biome, and why it's like this really fucking eerie, just like ethereal kind of sweeping, like spooky. Hundreds of people have died. Kind (laughs) of a song. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, like, you know, if you look, if you look. Closely, at all the weird shit that we've done. There's a through line in there. There's um, some darkness there, and there's a lot of darkness on the <laughs> oh, like, yeah. on the underside of the. Well, I think uh, the reality the is that
1: the, the humor allows you to do things that are extremely dark with people yeah. not blinking an eye, which is fun. It's very fun. So, in the case like Crashlands, one of the one of the first characters you meet in Crashlands just gets annihilated by Hugo. Just explodes. Just yeah. gets laser beamed, and just he's the only character that I, that actually happens to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm
2: pretty sure in the whole thing. Is that right? There, there's, yeah, there's, a, right. there's a much darker storyline though, with like, with the blind Which guy, way? right? Somebody that like explodes themselves or something. And oh yeah, that yeah, this blew
0: himself up to keep you from doing something. something. Yeah. yeah,
1: there's a report. whole bunch of just like real dark stuff, but it's all in goofy language and looks fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you if you yeah. were if you were to swap the theme, I think it's a fun part. Well, you they swap were the Quagmire's
2: Rampage, right? Quagmire's Rampage. It's it's uh, this like weird sort of godlike being who has basically. Mm-hmm. Mind-controlled the entirety of underwater civilization, yep. and
0: is sending them sending them up to ascend to the land yeah. to try to take over. Which is again
1: terrible idea because these are water creatures. They'll it's not even gonna die. work.
0: <laughs> even if they make it up there, they'll just it's die. It's a non-issue, right? Non-issue. It's not a problem.
1: <laughs> but
0: yep. now it is, you know. Yeah, and 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 I think you know you, you as a quadrupus, you know, you go down there with your weapons and stuff, and you just. You're just, just you're just murdering. You're just murdering. It's actually – had a conversation with this. are murdering mind-controlled beings. You have no choice. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation yeah. with Sampy on the way to work about this, about this – the the irony of of uh, Batman, of like Bruce Wayne is this billionaire who has all the resources in the world to do all kinds of philanthropic things to help out his city. And instead, he's just like dressing up in armor and beating the shit out of people <laughs> in the middle of the night. He's like, "I'm cleaning up my city," or whatever. Yeah,
1: it's uh, like, well, some socioeconomic policy might do a better job. <laughs> yeah, in the long term of reducing crime rate. Uh-huh. Yeah, and of course, like, but if but if
0: you look at also like how how was Batman portrayed up until very recently? Yeah, like in this really campy kind of like goofy, very colorful way. Like, I still remember that uh, clip from the Adam West Batman where he's yeah. carrying a giant bomb over his head and like. Around. like with this dumb costume on like running <laughs> uh, running around trying to get this mom out of the city um yeah so like y- you can you can hit some really weird uh commentary and some dark angles on life and yeah. on on philosophy and stuff i don't
1: know, i find if you if you hit people over the head with it just by being super direct about how dark some stuff is I find it just doesn't just doesn't work unless I don't know. There's, it feels like you have to have a whole lot more in place in order to make something like that actually land. Mm-hmm. Think about like Hellblade, like a send you a sacrifice thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the other games that are, you know they do tackle these really serious issues and they do it in a very dark way. But that's the, too much for me. Oh. It's too much. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm
0: I mean, to
2: accidentally learn life lessons. Yeah, so. and,
0: and it's also the case like even in the in the freaking opening scene of Levelhead, uh, we talk like we talk about the derp. And, and we have the chart on there that shows like oh shit our lawsuits are going way up and mm-hmm. our profits are going down the implication there is a lot of people have died <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh-huh. right like the Bureau of shipping has killed a lot of people yeah. um and the big issue here is that's not good for business yeah. right yeah. and so now it's time to, to like train up these gr18s and stuff but of course we don't we don't like just throw it out there in the open and beat you over the head with it, it like we turn it into like a commentary on corporate yeah. culture but it's in there so, mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot more of that uh, in oh, level head yeah. once we get the uh, the story revealed.
2: That's why, that's why suddenly 25% of the game is not localized. Mm-hmm. Suddenly. suddenly. <laughs> Many words have been added. <laughs> Many words yeah. have been added. It's
0: going to uh, be fun. Yes. So, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to Net, where we have links to everything. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.